This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. The Traveler's Inn, Tangled Skein, Episode 6, Healer Who? Blueberry sat on the shoulder of her beloved. The powerful man's muscles rippled underneath her imaginary claws. She drew herself out, stretching around his neck, so her head poked out one side, and her back feet and tail showed on the other. She basked in the cascade of golden hair across her body. She decided she didn't want scales any longer, and had changed her skin to soft, downy fur. Gunther seemed to like it, because she felt the warrior relax under her gentle, rippling caresses. The wizard glowed in her vision. The innate magic that he suppressed mingled with the swirls of his fears and confidence issues. But he smelled like onions, sweet musk, and cider, which was an okay combination of smells. But she preferred the tangy smell of testosterone and sweat from her man. It was so much more manly. The boy child, Manx, it's barely a hatchling. He was a vortex of indecision and self-righteous confusion. She could see the creature's internal struggle, wanting to prove himself to the others and wanting to not care what they thought. And it made her roll her ethereal eyes. Stupid humans, always so worried about what all the other humans thought about them. But it was the ones that cared the least that drew in the most others to do things for them. It was a weird dichotomy of people. The dragon wondered if the people knew about the hundreds of spiders lurking in the corners, recesses, and shadows. Dozens of the arachnids had watched Mogget's hand reach under the bed, sliding a few centimeters below their bulbous bodies. Dozens more watched from each of the wardrobes hidden in the folds of clothing. The mage had even put a few in his backpack with the pouches of coins. Gunther was vibrating. He was talking, and it always made his whole body red. He sounded upset, and Blueberry sat up, grabbed the man's ear to pull herself upright. Stroking the man's temple with a clawed hand, she soothed him. The tension melted from his taut muscles, and his jaw relaxed. Poor Gunther, she thought. He just wants friends. His father and his family put too much pressure on him to be what they expected instead of what he is. She knew what she wanted, and that was to let this man's inner greatness shine out. Of course, that meant straightening him out on a few things. He needed to quit trying to control everyone and everything. 
I'll start working on that right now, she thought, starting with him mansplaining all the things to Rose. She's a good priestess, and will be better for him if he just lets her be who she is. Funny that he tried to do the exact same thing to everyone else that his family did to him. But humans are dumb that way and give out what they know. Luna rose, rose to her full height, stepping into the bull-headed man's personal space, her nose a dozen centimeters from his. You will not push me around. She punctuated each angry word by jabbing him in the chest with a finger. The big man winced, raising a hand to the side of his head and looking at his shoulder. Luna tensed, unsure if he was going to hit her or not. She'd pushed for it, figuring if she'd whipped him in a fight, he'd show a bit more respect, but she wasn't looking forward to a physical confrontation. Oh, Gunther pulled away from the priestess. She bit me. No, I didn't. Luna stepped back, her face twisting with confusion and offense. I didn't see her do anything, Manx mumbled. Not Rose, the barbarian shook his head, then pointed at his shoulder. Her! Nothing's there, big guy. Mogget smiled his secret smile that he so often used. His voice carried that tinge of humor, mixed with the suggestion of trouble. Who, exactly, are you seeing over your shoulder that bit you? Gunther heaved a sigh that was heavy with exasperation. Blueberry, he jutted his finger at the empty air beside his head. I know she's small, but you must be able to see her. Um, the priestess traded a concerned look with the thief and wizard. Yeah, Moggitz nodded vigorously. We see her, champ, don't we, guys? The mage slapped the big man on the bicep, receiving a glare for his overly familiar gesture. The other two nodded slowly, their faces dubious. Oops, almost clipped her there. Her foot was hanging down. Sorry about that. Mogget smiled a big grin. She's a dragon. She doesn't have feet. She has claws. How could you even call them feet? Are you even looking at her? Gunther put his hands on his hips, then dropped them self-consciously. Of course we can, the wizard reassured the man. Slip of the tongue. I was so excited to see a real-life dragon, I got a bit tongue-tied. That's all. Shall we head upstairs? Good idea, Luna agreed. Let's keep moving. We all see the dragon. Let's move on. After you. Two. Mogus gestured towards the stairs, indicating that the barbarian should lead the way. The wizard moved to the sconce where he'd set his torch, recovering it from where he'd left it. The big guy turned with a dissatisfied grunt and headed up. Luna followed him, Morningstar in hand. Manx went next, with Moggitz taking up the rear. New shoes? Manx asked over his shoulder. These old things? Moggitz asked. They're just something I threw on. As the group ascended, the mage lit the sconces along the steps, just as he did on the last flight of stairs. They heard and smelled the next room before they saw it. The sound of bubbling liquids and crackling flames filled their senses as they reached the landing. Light spilled through splits and broken shutters that covered windows, 
evenly spaced along the walls. Cracked windows were coated with soot and grease, causing the sunbeams to smear yellowish color as it washed across the contents of the room. Scattered throughout stood dozens of unaligned tables, and bookshelves lined the walls from floor to ceiling. Books, decanters, trinkets, knickknacks, bric-a-brac, and tchotchkes lined the wooden shelves. On the tables were beakers, tubes, and jars, with burners under many of them. Spiders with glowing abdomens skittered along the corners of the walls and along the rafters. A thin wisp of vapor wound through the rafters and curled around chandeliers that held dozens of candle stubs each. The ever-shifting light from the creatures combined with the jets of flame of the burners from below and the flickering candle stubs from above revealed a wrought-iron circular staircase spiraling upward on the far side of the magical laboratory. That probably leads up to the copula, Moggett pointed at the steps. Copulas are rounded and have walls. I thought it was more of a gazebo, Manx shrugged, but those tend to be in gardens and stuff. Pagoda, maybe? the wizard suggested. No, Manx sneered. Those are like covered railings overhead. This one was more enclosed. I could agree to it being a rotunda. Aren't those more of a freestanding thing? Kiosk, perhaps? Will you two shut it? Luna growled. We're not in here alone. The priestess pointed at an upright crate on the far side of the room. The others squinted into the gloom at the box. It has a face, Gunther said with disgust. And arms, sort of, Magus exclaimed. Is that an egg beater and a plunger? The box slowly pivoted towards them. It was a weather-worn brown of aged wood with iron straps bolted to its octagonal shape, holding it together. Wider at the bottom than the top, it tapered upward, and a metal dome topped it, which in turn had a weather vane and a lightning rod shaped like a dancing werevin on top of it. Inside the curved topping was a pale, bloated face, which grimaced at them. That's more of a copula. Manx pointed at the top of the moving crate. Yeah, I can see that now that you said it, Moggitz agreed. You killed the princess, said a broken voice from within the shell of the device across the room. Well, we didn't mean to, Moggitz said, his tone friendly, but she wouldn't quit singing, and we're not critics or anything, but it was literally killing us. The children won't have a mother now, the box squawked, its voice jittering with syllable. And you must pay for that murder. A spatter of horrific rain began to fall. Dark forms from the size of coins to the size of dinner plates dropped from the ceiling, landing around and on the adventurers. A torrent of arachnids gushed from the dark corners and recesses as geysers of the spindly forms erupted from pitchers and vases, and a flood of them rolled in a wave from underneath the tables and shelves around the room. The creatures skittered and scurried up the bodies of the four, small legs as fine as hairs tickling across the flesh of the group's arms, necks, and any other exposed flesh. The room flashed a bright white. Then everything 
faded to black. Luna woke. Blinking, she opened her eyes. A bright flash of pain shot through her neck, which had fallen so her chin rested on her chest. Her head felt like it was stuffed full of feathers, and her mouth felt like she'd been eating them. Lifting her head, she rolled her neck in a circle, trying to loosen the knots. Cartilage popped and crackled as she tried to focus her blurred vision. Her hair caught on something sticky, and she jerked forward, pulling strands free from her head and whatever it was behind her. Her arms were numb and secured above her. They tingled and bit at her awareness. Squinting, Luna looked up, hands covered in webs. She felt the tickle of movement along her fingers, and spiders the size of her palm moved across her wrists. Spinnerets spewing out gray threads and thickening the silk bonds already there. She didn't see or feel any wounds. She was groggy. Either magic or venom, she guessed. Taking stock, she looked herself over. She still had her armor, but her pack and weapons lay nearby, the leather straps cut or chewed through. From the light coming in, she decided that the sun was setting. Strung up to her right was Manx, and Moggets and Gunther hung to her left. None of them looked any better or worse than her. Daughter! The jittery voice screeched, the same voice she'd heard from the crate earlier. You are awake! I am preparing your transformation! You shall take the place of the princess, though you will never hold the position of honor she did. I don't think so, Luna growled through gritted teeth. The warrior priestess pulled at one hand with all her strength. The threads holding her moved, but barely. She had no leverage. Twisting her legs, she tried to push them backwards to find the wall, to gain some footing to break free. Bound, webbing covering her from ankle to hip, she couldn't move more than twitching. She went limp, panting. You will not break free, the voice said, the tapered box coming into view. But I will free you once you've changed and dedicated to Mother and ready to help fulfill her plan. I think he's gonna monologue, Moggins whispered. Luna jerked to look at the man. He still hung limply in the spider's prison, his eyes closed and his face drooping. One eye open, looked at her, blinked once, then closed. She could barely make out his cynical and amused smile in the dim light. No, 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 listen, Moggins mumbled, barely moving his mouth. It's a good thing. Get him talking. Any time you buy us will be a good thing. I still have a few tricks up my sleeve. Don't worry. Trust me. The last words were drawn out. She'd heard that man use them before. Many times. He usually ended with them being chased out of town in the middle of the night, or a tunnel collapsing that was their only way out of whatever cavern or dungeon they were raiding. Out of the corner of her eye, she could see the crate guy floating into the circle of light around her and her companions. 
Fine then, Boxy, Luna snapped, turning to look at the face resting inside the dome. I'll bite, perhaps a bad turn of phrase given my circumstances. What's the big plan then? Derek! The voice rose in a shrill trill, grating on the woman's last nerve. What? Luna spat. Who's Derek? I am Derek. The thing in front of her whined. Lord of this keep and master of the denizens within. I am the one mage who can talk to the children, who commands them, and who they adore and serve. So, this is your place? Luna asked. You should have had him capture a maid or a housekeeper from the village. This place has more cobwebs than is healthy. Do not mock me, woman! Derek screeched. You do not crave my wrath! Oh, wow, I didn't know anyone actually talks that way, Moggins muttered. Nefarious! What? Luna said to the wizard through the side of her mouth. Ask him about his nefarious... Scheme, Moggitz whispered. Make sure you use the word nefarious. Okay, fine, Luna sighed. Oh my, oh my, whatever is your nefarious plan? Scheme, Moggitz hissed. Scheme, all right, Luna snapped. What is your nefarious scheme? Yes, daughter, her captor seemed pleased. That is a fine query. Extermination! I shall exterminate the humans the same way they attempt to exterminate the children of mother. For too long, man has thought he was the supreme hunter, the apex predator, the top of the food chain. That's rather sexist, Luna interrupted. What about women? It's not just men who do all these things. We're just as horrible. I mean, come on, this is the Dark Ages and all, but you seem like an enlightened villain. After all, you are all about the mother, so give credit where it's due. Luna missed the next crazed words of the man because whispering from Moggitz distracted her. When she turned to her companion, he was still feigning unconsciousness, but was having a quiet argument with someone or something. Luna looked around, trying to see who he was talking to, but she didn't see anyone. She turned away from the madman beside her and back to the madman in front of her. And they have ruined the world worse than any locust or parasite. Not like a true hunter, but like a wasteful plague that kills indiscriminately. Derek was screeching. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I can honestly say that every word I heard made perfect sense. Incredible how you put it, though. Dazzling rhetoric, interesting theories, and... Yeah, it was good, Luna said. She felt herself drop. Just a few centimeters. But enough that she wanted to look up and check her bonds. Will I be freed soon? The words slipped from her before she realized she had said them. Yes! Derek was in a frenzy now. The accoutrements attached to his wooden and iron casing, weaving wildly... Oh, I shall free, free soon, free from the bonds of this earthly immortal coil, and you shall help me free them as we come together with the children of the mother and exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. Stall him, Marcus whispered. 
Get them to turn away. Distract them. But how am I supposed to do that? Luna said through gritted teeth. With the magics, I will transform you, just as the princess had been transformed. You will lead the armies on silent feet, and in the night, we shall kill all men, uh, um, people, in their beds, Derek replied, thinking the question had been for him. Oh, that's interesting. The priestess's eyes darted about the room, trying to figure out how to get the man to turn around. How will you do that? The magics, I mean? That must be very difficult. Or take some great and powerful artifact. I am a mighty mage and can manipulate the very fibers of the universe. The captor spun towards the tables behind him. See these chemicals. I make them from the blood, bone, and hair of people. I have blended them with that of the children, learning the secret of how to combine the two different creatures into one being of such power they will be unstoppable. Luna slipped another 15 centimeters, her feet just a hand span from the floor. You're going to make Spider-Man? She pulled on her bonds and found that she could move her wrists further from the wall. Can you do this with other races also? Maybe the Green Goblins, the Hobgoblins, or even the Rhinos of the Southern Plains? What? Derek paused in his rant. Yes, yes, that would be perfect. This is why you will make the perfect vessel to replace the princess. Well, except the Rhinos. Can you imagine them with eight legs and mandibles? Ew, just creepy. The whole floating crate shuddered as the man shivered at the thought. Shalisrae, Luna said reflexively. What? Derek spun towards her again. Oh, damn it, she sputtered, stomping her struggles. Spiders have shalisrae, not mandibles. You should know that already if you're trying to turn people into spider people. You know so much about the children. Derek's voice gushed with praise. Perhaps you may one day be princess. I once again must declare my brilliance at choosing you to become mother's next disciple. Aretha, my goddess, give me power and strength and assist me in my moment of need. Luna rose, silently prayed. Oh, and if you have a little more to give, maybe you could turn this idiot back around? The ranting man smoothly turned a small circle and hovered away in the other direction, still prattling on about its genius. The priestess gave thanks to her goddess, and memories of her training trickled into her thoughts. She hadn't entered the convent willingly, but in her time there she had been one of the best and brightest acolytes in the place. She excelled in a few areas, well, two areas, combat and the healing arts. She was particularly good at bashing people with heavy, blunt things. She just had a natural talent for the arcs of weapons and finding the points where they do the most damage. A close second was knowing how to fix the people she or others broke. She could set a broken bone in minutes, pick out the right combination of herbs to mix for a fever, and the one thing she was most praised for and she liked the least, call upon her goddess to mend flesh and bone and banish disease and sickness. Her mind and attention snapped back to the present as her wrists began to tear free. 
Looking up, she watched his sticky strands of her bonds sever. A faint glow of blue shimmered between her hands, causing her to blink. A dragon? Luna whispered. She dropped to the ground in a crouch, webbing, tearing away from her armor and body. Glancing up at Moggets, he smiled and winked at her. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, the wizard shouted, and a ball of flame appeared above his hand. The fibers of iridescent white around his forearms melted away under the burst of heat. Dark forms scattered, fleeing the mini-inferno. The man flipped forward, his feet still caught in the webbing. The ball of fire flew from his hand, sailing through the air in slow motion to Luna's eyes. It landed light as a feather in the center of the table littered with chemicals rolling in a slow, fiery amble down the middle of the wooden planks, small tendrils of flame reaching out and tickling things as it passed. The burners, under beakers and bottles, leaned towards their free-roaming cousin, flickering in eagerness to join the one-ball parade. Apparatus shook and shimmied. Derek, distracted by his own monologue, didn't notice the magical sphere calling to its captive compatriot. With a clatter of toppling tubes and a clittering crash of glass, the burners freed themselves from the laboratory bonds that kept them from freedom. Chemicals released by the exodus of elemental revolution spilled and spread across the surface of the flat wooden planks. The table erupted into a pillar of flame. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday.